Hello lovelies and welcome back to a new episode of Reviews from M with Love. It has uh, been a while <laughs> since I've done anything book related really with everything going on. The Rona having us all in her clutches. It's been difficult focusing on anything, creating things, writing things down, getting my thoughts into order. And I struggled a lot with the guilt of, you know, having time to do things and being utterly unable to do any of it. But yeah, I'm trying to get back into some things that used to bring me joy. Still figuring out how much my headspace has changed and how much of my usual joy-filled activities um, are actually still working for me. Same goes for books. I spend a significant portion of my time the first weeks in isolation reading dystopian novels <laughs> um, because I was feeling like you know if we're heading towards the end of the world as we know it then why not read books that have already been there and are somehow getting out of it one way or the other especially when I was waiting for answers for my government to tell me what's going on, what their plan is, how they're trying to keep us safe. Um, it was nice to read books and stories where people already did find ways to keep their citizens safe or not, and how either way people did find a way out of it. Not all of them were great, but, you know, I tried <laughs> to give my brain something to focus on that resulted in me internalizing that no matter what's coming, we will get through it and we will find a way out of it. Doesn't always work, but, you know, I tried. <laughs> but anyway, um, part of me spending a lot of time in my own head, in my own home, was reading a lot of books, um, especially listening to audiobooks. And halfway through last month, I started to realize that I've been reading a lot of books that somewhat center survivors one way or another. And I don't mean survivors of a pandemic, although that was part of it, um, but survivors of um, other traumatic experiences, sexual assault, um, intimate partner violence, abuse, parental neglect. Um, quite a number of the books that I've been reading this year, this whole year, really, um, have had some kind of plot, subplot that had to do with surviving trauma. 
And I've come to realize that some of these narratives hit me in the right way, some hit me in a very painful way. And every time I take my feelings to Twitter um, and just, you know, try to talk about what I'm thinking and feeling, I come back to the fact that Twitter is not the right medium for me to talk about it. It's too clunky and awkward and I never get everything that I think and feel out in a way that, you know, works for the format and works in a tweet thread. And it's hard for me to feel connected to my own thoughts and to other people's thoughts when I don't feel like the medium is the right one. And I thought about writing it all down and making a blog post or something. Um, but that didn't feel right either. So here we are, me trying to put some of my thoughts out into the world. Not really to be educational or to tell every anyone and everyone what they're supposed to think and feel or that the way I look at things and experience things is the only way to do it. But just because I've been having a lot of thoughts and there were a lot of people who just, you know, slid into my DMs or in my mentions when I started talking about this idea on Twitter and they were encouraging and supportive and really lovely. And the consensus was that it might not be a great resource or um, exactly what people think it should be. But for at least a couple of my mutuals, my friends, people who follow me, it would be nice to just, you know, hear somebody talk about their experiences, their their ideas, their thoughts about, you know, books and media and generally reading as a survivor because sometimes it is one hell of an experience and it's nice to know that when you make this experience on your own, it does mean that you're all alone. So I thought, okay, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how much I actually want to talk about these things, how emotional I get. I'm not sure how I'm going to structure it yet. I don't have a fixed script. I really don't have anything except for the title of this idea and me rambling on and hopefully not being alone. <laughs> so it might come as a shock <laughs> that I'm going to start all of this by saying that one thing that social media especially um, has taught me over the last couple of years really um, is that when I talk about 
reading as a survivor. Um, my experience is so different from other people's experience. And while I love that we are somehow all connected by the fact that we are survivors of incredibly traumatic experiences, we're still all so incredibly different. And all of our experiences are incredibly different, just as much as our lives are, um, and just as much as we as individuals are. We have things connecting us, but we have just as many things that make us different from each other. And one thing I worried about when I started planning this whole endeavor was that people would take what I say and think as some kind of you know, example for everyone. Like, I don't want this to be a thing that people take to tell other survivors that they're not valid, directly or indirectly. And that's the thing that I've seen happen a lot, really. Um... Not only on social media, it's practically everywhere. Um, part of it is the cultures we live in. This incredibly insidious culture that is always, always invalidating survivors first. Um, and part of it is that I sometimes feel like in our quest to look for things to bond over, in our quest to feel like we're not alone, we sometimes tend to erase other experiences or invalidate them or ignore them in order to form a community, which is not a bad thing. I love to have my community. I love to have the opportunity to just hit somebody up and say, I read this story, I lived through this thing today, and it was incredibly awful and triggering, and I need someone who gets it to talk to me about it. And... That is incredibly validating and lifting me up when I feel like I'm drowning. But the side effect of it sometimes was that when a survivor took to social media to share their story, others, and it's often people who are not survivors, but not always, um, they take this example of of someone surviving something incredibly traumatic to push it in other people's faces and say, 
if you don't experience things the same way, you're not a real survivor. And a real survivor would never. And we always do this with everything. We have to create boxes for everything and then people have to make themselves fit in or they're not valid enough to be part of said group. It's never pretty. It's never never okay and it never accounts for the fact that human life is so incredibly messy and humans are so messy that it actually never really works but yeah that was that was my starting point that i thought about how different we all are our experiences our lives how we process things how we cope with different things, how we interpret different things. Um, what is incredibly triggering for me is absolutely no trigger for somebody else. And we can both be survivors, maybe even, even of the same thing, and we will still feel differently about certain things. Just like in every other instance that's what humans do um which is also why i appreciate trigger warnings so much and this is a discussion for a whole other episode because the things i've seen <laughs> said about trigger and content warnings are just i could fill a whole episode just with this but generally speaking um one reason why I really appreciate authors giving trigger warnings and why it's sometimes so much easier to go on websites like AO3 and just, you know, read stuff I'm in the mood for. Um, because what makes it so easy is I can go through the tags and see exactly what the warnings are, what the content warnings are, what the author wants to express with what they're writing there. Um, and it's not a spoiler. 15 tags will not tell me how a story with over 300,000 words goes. It's just that if I'm in the mood to read something in a very specific that is written in a very specific way and from a very specific perspective then these warnings sometimes help me a lot figuring out if this story is something i'm in the mood for or not um and just because something is not a good fit for me right now doesn't mean that the the fic or the the book is bad or that you know the author is a, an awful human being or can can't possibly be a survivor because no survivor would ever write this no it's it's just not a good fit for me right now or ever depending on what it is um when there's not one specific way to be a survivor and there's not one specific way to write for, for a survivor or to write 
a story that is good for survivors or bad for survivors because we're not all a certain way. Why would the media we consume be all one certain way and not different just as we are? One of one of the things that come to mind is that a few a few years back, I think, somebody on my timeline recommended a book. I think it was an I'm not sure if it was erotic romance. Um but it was steam heavy in the second half. And it's a story that I would call magic dick adjacent. It's not that the dick is actually magic, but, you know, the way the story goes, um, you have a survivor who falls in love and slowly, gradually opens up to the new love interest um, and starts to explore her sexuality and sensuality again, post-traumatic experience. And in this book, it, the way it was written, it was, you know, the more the heroine opened up and explored her own desires and her own, her own sensuality, um, the more she started to process and cope with her trauma. And it ended with her confronting her abuser. And I think she actually punched him in the face. I'm not sure, but it was there was a confrontation there, and she came out of it stronger and better. And you know, and it all happened in the course of I don't know, 250, 290 pages. It wasn't that that long a story, and it started when she was still running from her past and just trying to survive, and it ended with her in a really, really good place. And I could absolutely see how this story could be empowering for somebody else. Um, how somebody else who survived intimate partner violence could read this story and feel seen and supported and uplifted. I could see it. But for me, it was triggering as hell. Because I was just, I was sitting there and the only thing I could feel was the special kind of devastation when you read someone who went through something that is pretty close to what you went through in some ways and they get to a better place much faster than you. And while you are still struggling with actually processing what happened to you this character is already you know far more along in their recovery and it's all connected to you know having sex with the person you love and it's it wasn't written as a magic magic dick scenario but it felt like it to me and it was like you know her recovery and her sensuality and and her sexual experiences were so closely linked together and it all developed in you know the same steps 
and I was done with this book and I went on, on Twitter and posted a thread that I never should have posted because it was not only was it full of typos, it was me talking from a place where I was so triggered and I was so upset and I was not in a place of, my mind was not in a good place and I regretted posting it later. Um, not because my feelings were invalid, but because A, I didn't want to take all of these personal feelings to the timeline. Um, I tend to not do that anymore, but also because what I was trying to say is I can see why this is great for others, but it absolutely 100% didn't work for me. And what came out was a garbled mess of, I feel so awful because of this book. <laughs> and it's it wasn't untrue. I did feel awful because of this book. It was just, you know, I could still see why it could be a good book for others. I was just unable to express it right. And it brings me back to what I've been saying 400 times. We are all so different. Survivors are so different. Um, and there are a lot of stories out there that will never work for me and there will never be good stories for me because I won't read them and feel good. I won't read them and feel seen or uplifted or supported. I will read them and they will trigger the fuck out of me. I will put them down and never touch them again. Um, does that mean the book is wrong? The author is wrong? The book is bad? Everyone's bad except for me? I don't think so. I don't think it's it's wrong for others to you know, find value in these stories. I just can't. That doesn't mean they shouldn't exist. It's just they don't have to live with me. Okay, but establishing that not everything that isn't for me doesn't mean it isn't good brings me back to a point that I probably should have gotten to earlier but didn't. And that's when we hear the word survivor, many of us think of different things, of different things that we did survive. Um, and yeah, part of our different experiences is that we survive different kinds of trauma. Um, I'm a survivor Yes, but I'm a survivor of multiple things. Um, parental neglect and abuse, intimate partner abuse and violence, sexual assault. Um, interpersonal abuse and gaslighting. Um, there are a few things that I survived at different points in my time. It's for some it's you know one one incident one thing that happened and that we survived and that changed everything and for others it's that but also a longer period of time that we came out of on the other side and i think what p 
people think of when they hear the word survivor um, shapes a lot of what we get to see in media in general. And it also shapes the narratives that we see in, especially in stories. I mean, we're talking about reading here. I, I talk about books, so why not, you know, be specific and talk about reading and books. Um, I have to admit that when it comes to sexual assault, and this is what I'm going to focus on for now, because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and also I can't focus on everything at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I have to admit that I don't pick up a lot of books, if I pick up any at all, um, in which, you know, in a sexual assault is the main thing that the main character survived and is processing and coping with now. Um, I don't think it's an, a really conscious decision. I'm not going out of my way to not see these books and not find these books, but I'm also not going out of my way to actually find them and add them to my TBR. Mostly because from all the things that I survived, the assaults are, they were not isolated incidents, so um, this is not um, a narrative that I feel is well for me is is not the right word but these stories are not the ones that make me feel seen in a way that you know I I read the story and say oh wow yeah that is me because that's just not my experience I understand some of the emotions that are described and I understand um what it means to survive the assault, the rape, um, in some ways on a deeply emotional level, but it's it's just not my my story. So at the end of the day, I understand enough and I feel enough of the emotions of the emotional journey um, to really get hit by it. But it's not the kind of story, the kind of narrative that makes me feel seen and supported because I understand enough, but not really. And f for me, it's the, the issue is that I can only read certain kinds of narratives and others are just so triggering that I don't really get anything out of them. Um... Except for you know being triggered, um, so I'm I'm not going out of my way not to see these books, but I'm also not going out of my way to read them. Um, one thing 
that I have realized is that when it comes to sexual assault and all the different ways it can happen and in all the different times it can happen, the times it happened to me were at completely different times in my life. Um, so I, there, there were years between the assaults and they were completely different the context the situation what happened it was completely different um and i cope with them very differently um what i've realized is my triggers changed with you know over time and also when you add trauma on top of trauma then the possibility of triggers changing shifting and you know more triggers um appearing um so i i realized that a lot of my not only my reading preferences but what i actually can read want to read and what triggers me too badly to be worth it. Um, these things all changed. Um, one thing that has stopped me for a while now from discussing any of it really on Twitter, because that's the only social media site that I still use, <clears throat> um, is that I've come to realize that there is, I don't know if it's a shift or if I just see more of it, there is a kind of consensus that I keep seeing on, you know, how survivors of sexual assault experience their life, that incident, what happened, what happened afterwards, the recovery. Um, it's almost like we have some set ideas, you know, a real survivor. And I'm using air quotes all the time. You can't see me, but every time I say the word real, I use air quotes. Um, real survivors, you know, would never write this, would never read this. Every survivor is getting hurt by this. Every survivor is suffering from this and that and the other. Um, and I do have some problems with it. I think, coming back to what I said in the beginning, our different experiences and coping mechanisms include that at the end of the day, we're all going to react to different stories in different ways. And we enjoy things that others might not. And we all have to find ways not only to cope with what happened, but also how it changed us in the long run. Um, I know there are people who, you know, reclaim their own sensuality and sexuality in a very hypersexual way. Um, 
I know that for me, for example, the the sexual aspect of it all, you know, just simply concerning my sex drive, my sex life, my sensuality, how I experience sex in my body, um, it's not the same as what others describe. Um, like I said, for some of us, we have a really hypersexual response to it all. Um, others can't stomach the idea to ever, you know, go there again. Um, and others are somewhere in, you know, the myriad of ways you can rediscover and reclaim your sexuality and your sensuality and how you experience sex in your own body. Um, for example, for you know, I always come back to this slogan: "Consent is so sexy." It really, really is. But I know that there are survivors out there who do not get the same sense of "Oh my God, yes!" that others get from you know explicit, spoken out loud consent on every page. Um. And I know that others really prefer scenes, sex scenes in romance books, in which the consent is obviously there, but not every step is, you know, talked about on page. You feel the consent, but you don't read the affirmative words every few sentences. For some, that is just more more sexy or I don't know just I know that on some days I cannot stomach reading scenes where you know consent is spoken out loud in every second sentence not because I think it's wrong or it's not sexy or whatever else people think I might imply it's just that some days these things remind me of the moments when I did not have that. And it's its very own kind of punch to the gut. It's on bad days, I just can't do that. So I switch to something else. And there are other other ways to, to you know, express consent or also play with the idea of Dubcon, for example, is something that people always throw in other people's faces when it comes um, to consent in sex scenes. And I have tons of other examples. I can't go into all of them because then we'll be here all day. But my point is that depending on where you are, not only in your journey or in you know where you are in a in a strict timeline of it happened then and then and I'm here now, but also in the sense of where are you when it comes to coping 
to coping mechanism, to coping strategies? Where are you in terms of how you experience your own sexuality and sensuality and your own body? Where are you in terms of what is still, you know, floating your goat and what isn't anymore after you went through something like this? Um, depending on where people are and where people want to go or feel like they can go, different perspectives, different narratives have different values for all of us. And I understand that, you know, some some stories, especially when it comes to consent, some stories are icky for some people or they feel uncomfortable with it or they just don't like it or they you know there are a, a million things you can feel when you read sex scenes with or without explicit content on page a consent on page uh, um but one thing that bugs me a lot is when especially when it's people who are not survivors but at the end of the day um a lot of survivors of sexual assault do it too the moment you read something that you know think is really not up your your alley and it's oh god really not for you and you think it's it's gross okay maybe for you it's gross but i would really much appreciate it if we could stop telling people who actually do see something in it that they are disgusting and gross and sick too And this is obviously not for everything. Don't don't twist word in my words in my mouth and you know run around and tell people that I don't have any limits and think everything is fine. In sex scenes, it's not. But at least not for me. But you know, I would appreciate it if, especially when people talk about, oh my god. Can you imagine how a survivor would feel to maybe consider that you don't know how each and every survivor of sexual assault will feel about a sex scene in a book? Because sometimes I don't even know myself how I feel about a sex scene in a book until I've sat with it. And even then, I have to talk through it sometimes and explain to somebody else, you know, what my complex and layered feelings about it are and it's also okay to have complex and layered feelings about these things we as survivors are allowed to have complex and layered and sometimes really you know contradict feelings about sex scenes in books it's in, in romance books it's we don't have to read sex scenes and think oh yeah th this is good for survivors like me and oh no this is really bad because it's a we can't tell you if it's good or bad for everyone but we don't know <laughs> um how could we and then just because we all have this um, this thing in common this experience in some way in common doesn't mean that we speak for everyone i don't speak for everyone and i I don't have to love every romance, every steaming romance that involves survivors of sexual assault. I don't have to feel seen in each and every book that comes out. Um, 
I can tell you that that sometimes I read a book and I think, wow, that fucking hurt. Like the book I talked about before, you know, that fucking hurt. And it was not that the book was inherently wrong or bad. It just hurt me in a really, really, really vulnerable place that I didn't think would hurt so much, but it did. Um, but yeah, this is this is one thing that I... Um, keep coming back to and that makes being in romance circles very hard for me sometimes is that too often I see the statement that you know if you are a real survivor then or you know I mean, you have to love this book and you have to want this kind of narrative and you have to want this certain kind of way that people deal with their trauma. And if you don't, then you're not a real survivor or you are just the wrong kind of survivor and you are, insert awful word here, like you're you know, disturbed and disgusted and broken and you just haven't processed. There are tons of things that I don't want to repeat that I've seen thrown at people without a second thought. Um, in the name of protecting survivors, when in fact you were yelling that at, at a survivor who just didn't want you to know that, you know, this is part of their life story because it's none of your business and you shouldn't call people sick or awful or, you know, not a real survivor just because they don't want you to know each and every intimate detail about their traumatic life experiences. Okay, but I just realized that I think we're going to wrap this up here for now. Um, you should see this little sheet I have where I just took notes um, of what I wanted to talk about. And like, I got maybe through a third of it, more or less. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to meet here again and talk about this. Again, reading romance as a survivor. Um, reading in general, as a survivor. Um, I think the one thing that I have been stressing over and over in this podcast is that we are all really fucking different and we have really, really different experiences, different lives, different personalities, different stories different stories to tell and different stories that, you know, work for us, that make us feel seen, supported, uplifted, valued. And I guess the one thing that I've been hung up for now is that over the years, I've seen a lot of talk about, you know, listening to survivors, supporting survivors, believing survivors. And at this point, I wish that 
supporting survivors would also mean that we don't try to create a handful of scenarios um, of how survivors cope with their traumatic experiences and then we tell them you know pick one of them those are the ones that we deem acceptable and everything else isn't um i've seen a lot of that directly and indirectly i'm it's not that you know everyone steps up on a soapbox and says you know if you don't pick one of those five ways to survive trauma then you're not real there are little things um, that sometimes hit pretty hard. And I, there was something else that I kept meaning to say and always don't say in the end because it's scary and, and makes me feel even more vulnerable than I already do. Um, but one thing that people forget is the face of a survivor isn't always that of a white cis woman. And at one point I'd like to talk about this more because this is really important to me and also one thing that regularly drives me out of Romance Landia circles. Um, we are not all white cis women. And we are not trying to take away from anyone. We're just trying to, you know, sit next to you and be seen too. Not to take away from anyone, not to steal space or spotlight or whatever. We just you know, some of us are part of an incredibly vulnerable part of society. And we'd like to not be punched in the face when our real life experiences are discussed. As if they're not our experiences, they're yours. But yeah, this is a topic for another day and a topic that you know I have been trying to talk about a lot and haven't yet because it's tricky and it's personal and it's emotional and I have to see how I can fit that into a podcast episode where you can actually hear my voice cracking all the time. So I'm going to wrap this up for now. This is... Yeah, the first episode, I'm pretty sure there are a couple more coming, maybe. You know, if people feel like listening still. But for now, thank you so much for listening to me, and I'll hear you soon.